Hello and good afternoon. My name is Chris Hartley. Welcome to the first, the inaugural, the Word on Wellbeing podcast, coming live from Meridian Wellbeing. Today's topic, life under the lockdown. I have two guests, Elaine Thompson, a volunteer and resident of Barnet, and Dr. Louise Miller, the mental health lead for Barnet and a local GP. Hi there. Thank you for having us. Hi. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very, uh, thank you both of you for joining us today. So we are here to have a bit of discussion about uh, the lockdown and its impact on uh, people's well-being uh, as we now head into both winter and the second uh, lockdown that the UK has gone through in the last year. Um, understandably, um, the the effects of, of the, this experience um, has had a, a very negative impact on many people's well-being and mental health. Um, so I hope today that we can have a bit of discussion about um, our people's our experiences, both uh, in the sense of what we've been through personally, perhaps, and uh, and, and from a kind of um, uh, both from a professional standpoint and from from the standpoint of uh, some of the volunteering work we some of us have been doing. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things I'm really interested in is whether there are any learning points from uh, from the last year that we can use now going into the second lockdown that we can uh, use to uh, better support uh, some of the people who've been affected by by, by this experience and also uh, finding ways to uh, try and uh, keep uh, our, our well-being up, keep positive and start looking, looking ahead to uh, hopefully uh, one day soon the end of, of this experience. Um, so if I can just start very briefly. So our topic today is life under the lockdown. Um, so if I could just start with uh, Elaine. Um, Elaine, if, if you don't want me asking, so uh, life under the lockdown, how's that been for you? Um, a little difficult. Uh, I am actually living with my elderly mother of 86 and um, it's been quite difficult, but we managed um, in our own little way um, Initially, I had a slight cold and I thought, well, I don't know what this is. There's no testing out there, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we decided that we should eat separately in different rooms, but at the same time. Um, and when we were in the same room as each other wearing masks um, and we we still keep that up even now um not so much the eating separately we're now being able to do that together but um we're still mindful of the fact that my mother's much more vulnerable than myself and that Mm -hmm. you know i have to be mindful of that even when i'm out and about with friends i'm very careful what i do with them so as not to bring anything back to mum but you never know what's going to happen so yeah, mm-hmm. oh, I, I can completely um, yeah. empathise with that. I mean, yeah. I think unfortunately that's been the experience of many people. Absolutely. Over Particularly yeah. that kind of uncertainty about not knowing. Obviously, now that we are starting to move towards having a, um, uh, you know, the test and trace, and also having uh, the ability to test within a much shorter period of time, hopefully mm. that will bring a level of confidence back. But no, I can completely sympathise with that. I know yeah. in my own experiences, uh, my wife has had various medical problems in the past and there isn't and you know, there is that kind of you know she, my wife's perfectly healthy um 
you know she's uh she she uh, had our first child not that long ago so clearly she's she's very tough congratulations uh, thank you very much <laughs> but um but about but we don't know what the impact of of covid could be on her health so further. um dr miller um is there something uh, anything there that sort of uh, jumps out to you i mean how how is your experience um being well, I- I think my experience of lockdown has been quite different to a lot of people. Um, I know a lot of people felt quite isolated at home um, and lacking in social contact. So during lockdown, obviously, as a key worker, I continued to go to work. Um, so I didn't really have that experience of isolation um, from uh, work colleagues and and even some friends, because um, obviously I do work with people I like as well. Um, so I, having said that, my concerns are still the same for my family. I've got two children. Um, I've got a uh, well, mother-in-law and father-in-law who live in the next road to us that we see quite regularly and mm. nieces and nephews and, you know, quite a lot of extended family nearby. So I didn't want to be bringing home COVID from work and spreading it to them. Um, mm. So obviously we, we all took precautions. Um, we listened to the various stages in the lockdown and tried to follow as much as possible. Um, unfortunately, both me and my husband um, did end up getting COVID quite early on. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. And uh, l- luckily, I wasn't too um, unwell. He, he was much more unwell than me. Um, and <laughs> one by one, all my colleagues at work got, them, got it as well. Oh, um, so um, it was, I mean, it, it was very difficult in the early days with the COVID. And we were still not, um, we didn't have enough protective um, personal equipment. Um, and also, um, we didn't know that much about COVID uh, right at the beginning. I think now we're much more versed in um, how to protect ourselves, how to protect the public. Um, and we can um, continue to, to work um, in a much more safe environment. Um, I mean, initially, I would want to point out, I think the reason we got it was because we didn't actually shut down quick enough we continued to see you know large quantities of patients within the first couple of weeks um, and I think that's probably what happened so now um, we've moved to a much more um, online experience with general practice so having telephone consultations video consultations and only seeing essential um, patients in, in order to minimize contact um, for the patients and also for the staff at work as well to to minimise um, the, the prospect of spreading COVID again. Can I, can I just ask on that? I mean, I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, I'm, I, I, I didn't realise that. I, I'm really sorry to hear about both yourself and your husband. I, I do hope you're both feeling a lot better. Yeah, 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 we're, we're fine. <laughs> Thank you. But, but actually, it's quite, it's quite, it was quite difficult to, to, to talk about. I don't really um, mention it to patients. So I don't really mention it to staff. I mean, obviously, amongst the staff, we, we all know out of us who's had it and who has not mm. um and in fact we've all had it uh, out of all the doctors where i work um but it, it's sort of um initially uh, people were very scared even if you'd had it they didn't want to be in contact with you because they thought you know maybe they could still get it from you um whereas we now know that the um, most um virulent stage is actually minus two days so before you've got symptoms for so minus two days and the first five days of actually having symptoms that's the, right. that's the time it tends to be passed well i say we've learned all this over the last six months so to start with we weren't aware of this um in fact when i um got it the, um only myself and my husband 
were able to be tested um we couldn't test our our children or anything so i don't even know whether they've had it they may have had it and not had any symptoms so you know the the testing has has changed quite a lot over the last six months as well so i say we i i feel very confident now that we've learned an awful lot about covid um and we're really in quite good shape to to be tackling a second wave actually that's really that's really interesting i, I think certainly um you, you know as a as a sort of layman lay person i should say mm-hmm. uh, particularly the kind of the initial stages you know of uh, of the um as of covid and, and the lockdown there was that real uncertainty and it it did almost mm-hmm. become a you know the, the kind of unknown uh, there was a real fear yeah. of and I, I think a lot of that, hopefully, that because we didn't know where it could be caught. How? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Sorry. But I think over the last few months, we've learned such a lot about the virus. We're now quite well aware of um, how it's very important to wear masks. Initially, we we weren't even sure whether the masks would help, but we know for mm. sure masks help. Um, we we all know about hand washing and using hand gel, which is exactly the same. You don't need to use one in preference over the other. You can use either. It's perfectly fine. Um, we also are more aware of um, places where you can get COVID. If you like, it tends to stay on door handles and and playstations and things like that. So there's lots of things that we've learned about COVID over the last few months. And in fact, you know, the NHS is looking to introduce a vaccine over the next couple of months. Oh, right. Oh, I mean, that, that, I mean, it, I, I mean, certainly there was an announcement today from I think it's Pfizer about mm. a, a vaccine that's being trialed and that. Yeah, that's correct. So I think there's much hope out there. Um, So I think um, I personally think that this and the experience of lockdown will be very different this time. And I think that initial fear that we all had and the lack of knowledge that we we all had at the beginning and the lack of equipment as well. I mean, it it takes time to mobilise all these things. It takes time to mobilise testing and and even the equipment to deal with patients that are unwell we've we've got that now we're all in a place to um and we've trained the staff we're in a much better position now than we were before so i think that takes that fear out of it for people i hope no that's really that's really great to hear i mean and that's very sort of key to what we you know what we're we're talking about today because that fear is incredibly detrimental to people's uh, to people's well-being to their mental health to their physical health and certainly sort of you know as there has been a better a better communication uh, and clearer communication about uh, the, the kind of realities and the practicalities as, as time has gone on but certainly sort of the beginning some of the some of the uh, uh, some of the information going around particularly around social media about yeah. the virus and things like that could be you know was incredibly harmful uh, Elaine so the, I've also got this slight fear about I'm trying to get flu jab for myself so that if I do uh, develop yeah. a cold or anything as minor as that, it doesn't go on to my mum and become something worse. That was really important. And yeah. um, I, because I'm at the age of 59, I'm told, oh, there isn't any left. There isn't any left. Uh, it's gone just the minute it comes in, it's gone. I've been on at my GP for ages about this. I've even been on at Boots about it because mm-hmm. I'm prepared to pay for it um you know it's it's really difficult and I don't Mm. know where else I can go to in order to get it well unfortunately there are supply issues with the flu vaccination Um, so it's been prioritized to um, over 65 so elderly patients 
and mm. also um, people under 65 who have particular problems, teeth and asthma, the um, things that would mean that if they did get flu, then they could be potentially extremely unwell. So unfortunately, mm. you fall in that category just outside. Mm. Um, but there is more vaccine coming in now. Um, I suggest you keep keep getting in touch because there will be more coming. It's, it's a very well, I think also we're exercise. very concerned as GPs that people wouldn't come forward who actually mm. need to have yeah. flu jabs uh, because yes. of fear of coming into GP surgeries and having vaccinations because they literally want to self-isolate and stay at home and minimize contact but we have um there are there is some evidence that shows that if you get flu and covid that you're twice as likely to um, pass away basically so it's very important to try and get that's what worries me yeah Yeah. and also by having the flu vaccine yourself you help protect your family as well so um, yeah there is something called herd immunity which helps protect elderly and you know younger people in your family as well yeah mum's already had it uh the the flu jab that is and you know she's done everything she can to protect herself um which is good but i just feel i need to do that extra as well just to sort of segue make a slight segue into that um so Dr. Miller, you were just mentioning about um, people not wanting to come to their GPs. And I certainly remember back now a few months ago, there was that concern um, that it was, and it was getting into the press that there was that concern from, uh, from, the, from the NHS that people with various pieces were not going to their GP because of the fear yeah, of the Whereas yeah. even now, we still have that, you know, because things are happening, having, done, having, having to be done virtually or whether they're having to be done yeah. over the phone and things like yeah. that. I suppose in some ways it's more efficient, but you are also... It, you're not necessarily having that kind of face-to-face which I imagine for a GP is very important you learn a lot about how mm. someone is from their body language and things like that um do you think that if we talk for example people with mental health problems for example would they struggle or would they be impacted by that loss of that face-to-face consultation yeah, it has shown that it has adversely affected people with mental health problems mm. however in some children and young people it's actually enhanced the contact because it's you know obviously they're a bit more it savvy they have their phones they've actually um finding it easier to get the, the help that they want using online platforms mm. um the, the, i mean there are two problems with that first of all there's confidentiality so sometimes children are inhibited um by parents being nearby or listening in on conversations and obviously that would be the same for an adult as well if you were talking to a counsellor or a therapist on the phone you might not want your family to hear Um, Mm. and the other thing is if you don't have access to the internet Mm. or IT that makes it difficult as well so but and I think also um, people with pre-existing mental health problems who are used to having more face-to-face contact have found it quite difficult Um, whereas if you're not used to it and you're coming for the first time the fact that you've never really had it makes it easier in some way if you see what I mean it means you don't you accept it you you Mm. feel oh this is normal this is the norm um, and it it becomes easier but um, yes we've certainly seen a a reduction in um, people um, being reluctant to come forward uh, and accept help and, and really just sitting at home and waiting which is unfortunate. So mm. I would urge people to, to try and make that contact, um, although it, it can be difficult. No, of course, of course. It's, and it's interesting sort of how things like, um, you know, uh, how things like virtual platforms like 
the one we're using today have become so part of our lives in what feels a very short space of time i mean in in previous life you know occasionally using skype and things like that but and yet now we seem to be uh you know a day a day doesn't seem to go by when i'm not sort of using whatsapp uh zoom or teams or anything like that Uh, and i'm sure there are other obviously other platforms available i'm not being sponsored or anything like that but um, it's amazing how these things have, have become so um, to necessity, and I suppose for some people, such a lifeline. I know some of individuals that we we work at, at, with at Meridian Wellbeing have, uh, have become really sort of uh, have really benefited from the the ability to maintain that kind of social contact. But I suppose it also yeah. comes with that double edged sort of it's not necessarily the same sort of form of contact that not we the have same. having yeah. conversations face to face and things like that. Um, Elaine, if I can just uh, jump to you, obviously uh, um, you are a peer support ambassador. That's right. Uh, part of your work is as related to something that Dr. Miller mentioned, which was about reaching out to people and things like that. And do you, how do you find that using, uh, whether it's over the telephone or things like Zoom, is it the same as when you're meeting people face to face? I know there's limits on what you can do at the moment, but what's sort of your impression about that? It's not quite the same, but I think with the way I've sort of been brought up to have some intuition on listening to people and how they talk and they're not exactly sounding that great I can pick up on that that because I myself have had mental health issues in the past and have found certain services within the borough quite helpful and some of my friends are very scared to go out Um, one in particular he will not he's become like a recluse and um, he he used to love going out for walks, but he won't even do that now. And that worries me for his own health. And trying to encourage him has not been easy. The whole group of us that are his friends have done our best to do that. But I think he would be a very good candidate to join in as a, a peer, to have one of us sort of call him up. Obviously not myself, because I know him. But one of the group to one of the uh, peer support ambassadors, yeah, Yeah. to help him, I think it would be very useful. We haven't actually started doing the calls. Uh, I'm excited about that. Also a little apprehensive, but the training was very was excellent. What we received, and I just hope I can do the job to the best of my ability to help people out there. Knowing what it's like for myself, I would have loved to have had someone call me from time to time see that I was okay to check in with me that's really great to hear certainly one of the important things to come with the peer support project mm. is you know the the ability to, to to help people provide the kind of training that wasn't that wasn't the, the, the time during the first lockdown whereas going into the second lockdown there are a range of services available which to mm. uh, across Barnet and, and Greater London area to, to provide that level of support um, yeah. so that, that's really great to hear I'm sure you'll make an, an excellent ambassador so don't be so, so uh, well, you know, I'll certainly do my best <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic and it you know goes back to one of the things we're talking about having that the ability to have that kind of social interaction in this kind of new medium so you're able to keep up 
that kind of contact and for many people that is a lifeline and it, it is so important so that's i think it goes back to something that dr miller mentioned which is that in some ways we are there, there are more things in place now going into this in the second lockdown than in the first that mean that people can, can be supported and they can have access to the level of services that they didn't have that's um, hopefully will be, be a benefit just to sort of so if we now to start to think about being in this second lockdown i've certainly found it slightly strange in a way almost as if things don't seem that different from they were than how they were a week ago I mean I don't know about you I, I live in uh, East Sussex so I'm sort of a bit out in the sticks as it were out, there's a lot of fields around here and but certainly sort of I was surprised by the number that it remember it how suddenly things get very very quiet uh, and that does not seem to have happened this time there seems to be a lot of people out and about what about yourselves what's your experience in this in this uh, the early days of this lockdown uh, for me, I live on quite a main road, um, the Barnet Road uh, in Arkley, and uh, the traffic hasn't uh, deceased in any way whatsoever in this lockdown. It did in the first one. Nothing's really changed much whenever I go shopping or go out. People are wandering around without masks. Mind you, the majority of people are quite mindful about when going into shops, making sure they do have masks on more than they used to. But the social distancing isn't quite there. Last week, I noticed in a local eatery in Barnet, when queuing up to make your order, people were standing so close to each other. It was quite uh, disconcerting. A few times my mum and myself turned around and said, look, surely we should be distancing. Um, you know, uh, I had my bag over my shoulder. It was as if they were about to jump into my bag. That's how close they were. Why do you think that is? I mean, you know, we have, you know, why, pe- why aren't people uh, taking following the steps, different um, things like that? But why? why... The government has not been consistent and I think also people are just fed up of the idea of this COVID. They, they are kind of fed up with it all. And I, I, I feel this myself as well. We're, we're all feeling quite, you know, enough is enough. Come on, let's, let's finish this already. So it's time that we moved on from this. Mm. But I know um, how bad it is abroad. Being half Spanish, I know... In Spain, it's it's very bad at the moment, and I feel for my family out there. Some members of the family are are ill with other health issues, and I worry for them. It's, it's very difficult. But the frustration is almost a reflection of a kind of uh, the, um, the the impact that this has all had on our kind of national well-being. What I was going to say is, I think it's quite difficult unless you've been affected by COVID. Um, mm. I, I know for some younger people who, who sometimes ask me, is it really bad? Are people actually dying? For some reason, the media does not seem to have portrayed quite the extent of, of what is going on in healthcare and in hospitals. I think when you go to the shop or when you're on the street, you don't really have any sense of, of how unwell people are and how many people are dying from this. Mm. Um, so unfortunately, I, I've seen that. And we've also um, experienced a couple of deaths in our family of elderly relatives from COVID. Um, so 
I think unless you have that experience of of, of loss in your family or someone you know that's it, people yeah. feel that it, it's all made up to some extent. It's all a um, a theory yeah. that you can mm. have COVID. Um, and so I I, say I think that's part of it. And I think also in the first lockdown, a lot of people weren't wearing masks. A lot of people weren't social distancing. I'm not sure it's that much different this time, to be honest. I think it's the same. People are still not taking it seriously. Mm. So unless they be, become affected by it or are aware of it in mm. some way, which I think is really difficult. I also think that a lot of people are much more... Um, used to wearing the mask now used to using the hand mm. gel it's become almost like a habit of wear life I went out with my mask on the other day went into a shop and I, I quite enjoyed wearing it because it was co- so cold outside I left it on the whole time in the cold weather it's not so so terrible in the heat and you know inside it's not so nice I think no. at, at the moment we're slowly getting used to this this new idea of having to 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 uh, be very careful about what we touch and and wearing masks. I think that's very true. I think certainly you can see how the kind of rules or whatever have become internalised. Wearing a mask inside, you don't do that anymore, and things like that. But uh, <laughs> it's it, it is it, it's it's positive in some ways to see how people have generally internalised those kind of things because it is not just your own. Uh, you know your own health it's other people's um, mm. but I think you're right there is that slight uh, there was that slight kind of well it's not going to happen to me um, you know it's nothing to do with me and things like that and um, mm. I, I think there's there's uh, I mean the bits and pieces that have been on the news for well certainly as long as I've been alive um, how quickly you almost become desensitized to it and yeah. it, it's mm. when it, this is something which is not you know this is literally happening on our street mm. down the road um, mm. in our hospitals um, it's sad to see that people aren't taking it more seriously. Uh, some people, you know, I, I think, I think, I hope the majority of people are. I, I, so I think, I, I think there's some very fair points there. But uh, I always find wearing a mask is, is and now it's now I've got sort of proper sort of you know cloth mask, those horrible paper ones. Which uh, sorry, Doctor, you probably have to wear them all the time. So I do apologise. <laughs> I shouldn't complain. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it means I don't have to shave. Not that I tend to shave very often anyway. But I can wear a mask. It's quite good for me. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> I didn't shave that much beforehand, so it's it's absolutely fine. But uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, I, luckily I, like to... I don't have to shave either before. <laughs> <laughs> there are, uh, I think, there have been some positives. Um, that feeling of community coming back, which certainly I have to say, I I did I've never really you know you see it on TV or you know when you watch a I don't know some old film or something from the sixties or the seventies, and you know you're talking to your neighbours and things like things like that. And certainly I don't really remember that in my lifetime, and yet it's come back, and people are talking to their neighbours and you know supporting each other and the you know the number of people volunteering has been really great to see so I think that's been a really positive things um I haven't learned how to make a sourdough starter yet but you know there's still time <laughs> uh, I've done some painting or I should say my wife's done a lot of painting and I just kind of you know, you've been uh, organizing exactly I just I organize well actually speaking of organizing, I did spend far too long literally a week or alphabetizing our bookshelves for my, oh, uh, for my, my, yeah. well, my garden has never looked so good and weed free well, exactly. <laughs> the, the problem was that my 18 month old daughter just then basically pulled all the books off the shelves so, oh no start again <laughs> start again so you know that, that's daddy, she's keeping daddy busy good for her she's keeping oh. daddy busy and I, mean, I, and I have to say actually as a as a you know someone who is uh, as, as a man who who uh, who's a very keen and proud father uh well I'm, I'm on my first one I might feel different when I'm on my third but uh, you know certainly for <laughs> you know 
I, I found you know paternity leave to be very short um, yeah. and I found that you know I was commuting to work in London so I wasn't able to see Flo my daughter as often as I would in some ways actually this this time for all the horrors of it and the real nasty realities has meant I've been able to spend so much time with my daughter which I've really enjoyed you know and I've seen yeah. her go from little crawling thing to this slightly bigger walking around thing shouting at me and pulling things yeah. over <laughs> I agree there's been more family time my children are a bit older they're both teenagers but actually it was I have to say I really enjoyed having them at home over the summer um and I do worry a little bit for their um lack of education um because I can't say that they're the best they wouldn't work nine to five at their desks <laughs> <Naturally. laughs> I don't know why <laughs> but um it, it's nice not having it was nice not having to rush around to pick them up and yeah. pick them off and take them to friends and we, we had a lot more time as a family together obviously I'm fortunate uh, I mean I think I'm fortunate to be married and things like that and have a child mm, but there are yeah. sing- single people out there who um, you know who have, or maybe, maybe even people who are in relationships but live separately um, yeah. you know and particularly we, the we, previous lockdown. As I say we did a couple of zoom dinners um, with um, relatives and certainly with an elderly relative that we had in in New York when their lockdown was very bad we we spent um, a couple of evenings with her um, which was actually quite nice and it, it made us do something we probably wouldn't normally do and um, we do phone her we do email her but we wouldn't normally set a time and say, oh let's have dinner together and, mm. and um, things have come out of it exactly I you know. also formed a sort of zoom um exercise um group with some friends of mine we we used to go to the gym together and obviously gyms um locked down and mm. um I would say the most bossy, but I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Member of the group. Everybody feels like we should, what you, what we should form a group and so we would meet every day and we do some exercise for half an hour every day. I mean we te- I obviously we drop in and drop out because she she's actually a police officer, so she works shifts. Um so we can't always do the same times. But yeah. I would never have um formed those um friendships and those relationships actually without COVID. So actually I'm quite grateful I've got a new group of friends now. I, I do know completely I think my, my wife is literally just starting a virtual book club so yes, with some of yes. her friends from university and it's the sort of thing uh-huh. that you know we all live you know quite distant from each Far other apart, and yeah. having that time to kind of you know no I, I, I found that the zooming has been uh, quite useful for myself mm. um, but I haven't been doing much in the way of exercise until quite recently me neither don't um, worry yeah <laughs> um, but I can least afford not to exercise. <laughs> I've had bariatric surgery a couple of years ago, oh, and I should oh, be yeah. exercising, but I'm not. As we now move into winter, it's much colder. It's much more difficult to to go outside, particularly yeah. you know if you are fortunate enough to have a garden or a um, balcony or something like. That. Um, but many people, I, I imagine, particularly in you know in in London, yeah, Barnet, okay. you know, many of them won't have that outside space. So that the lockdown yeah. presents that, that challenge of not being able to go outside. I suppose we have we are we've seen some differences in the regulations this time, where people can spend a little bit more time outside, and they can have that. I think it's one person social contact. Um, That's from correct. Yeah. Household. And I'm sorry, I think the parks are open now because they did close parks at one stage. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Parks which, open. which is yeah. which, which is really great. So there's you know there's certainly a difference to the last time. Last time, um, 
which, which is great to see because we, we do need to get a bit of daylight and we do need to get outside because I don't know yeah. about both of you, but I go a bit stir crazy if I'm stuck inside all the time. But uh... Absolutely. One of the points that I wanted to make really and um, my, one of my sort of tips, if you like, for keeping healthy during lockdown is to try and incorporate some sort of physical exercise, mm. even if it's yoga, meditation, walking. There's lots of online free apps I mean, you could just mm. Google. I, I sometimes do a bit of yoga and things in the morning, and I'll just Google on on um uh look on uh, YouTube or something like that. Um, mm. so we're doing something a bit different. Um, mm. and I think it's really important just to have. It doesn't really even take that long. Um, mm. we, we prioritize so many other things over our own health and over our own um physical and mental well-being. And I think helping. Physic, physical side of you actually goes hand in hand with your mental um, mm. aspect as True. well. I don't think you can ignore one and hope that the other will be fine. No, yeah. I think you have it's, to embrace both. Yes. Because we're, yes. you know, we're all part of the system and we're yeah. all in one body. No, that's very true. I, I do find having done some exercise, I feel that much better in myself, my mental health. Yeah. Definitely. And that, I feel it's so important for me to to embrace more. I, I, I completely agree. I you know mm. I, I think even something as simple as going for a walk, if you're able, or there is that kind of it, it does leave you um, feeling a bit more positive, and there is that kind right. of sometimes we just kind of need to get outside of ourselves a little bit. I will sort of throw it open now. Are there any other sort of top tips that you'd uh, either of you would recommend to people? So uh, things that they can do to improve or keep up their, their mental health positively, their, their positive well-being, their physical health. What would we recommend to people? A little bit of mindfulness can be helpful. I have a bit of a hobby of jewellery making. I've done that uh, from time to time. I quite enjoy doing because it helps you focus on something, thinking about your problems. It's sort of left there at the back, but you just see what's in front of you and you focus on that. And that's very helpful. Mindfulness colouring sometimes. Even on my phone, I've got various games. I, I do a bit. Uh, I'm on, I, I've just discovered draft on there and I quite enjoy doing that. So that's good fun. I also play a bit solitaire. But uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's good to uh, yeah um, be connected with friends. The odd phone call, make sure they're all right, and you know have have a bit of a, a giggle about something you heard about. It's really helpful, and that that helps your mental health a great deal. I find. Mm. So the only other thing I would add is, is, is perhaps a routine is quite important as well because mm. I'm I'm terrible if I, uh, yeah. I if I have a day off. I think oh I shall lie in. And I cannot get up. The alarm, I keep resetting the alarm, resetting the alarm. So then I wake up and I feel terrible and I've missed the entire day and I feel very disappointed. And so actually I find I'm, and also then I can't sleep later in the evening. Yeah. I'm up to all yeah. hours. I keep everybody else up. I'm yeah. much better if I set my alarm, get up, do some exercise or do whatever I want to do. And a sort of set proportion of things that I'm going to do um, throughout the day. I think that it's quite difficult sometimes to stay with that so there's always a bit mm. of a temptation to to disrupt your sleep pattern disrupt your mm. body clock yeah. and then think everything will be okay and I, I must admit I find as I've got older that it's become more and more important as long as I do some exercise each day and maybe as you said I have some hobbies as well I like sewing I also listen mm. to audible quite a bit actually at the moment 
um uh, I didn't use cooking or I say if I go for a run or do something else like that I listen to a story or I listen to it in the car yeah. if I'm traveling much more and Other, that's something uh, I didn't really do yeah yeah yes that's yeah, right that's yeah. very good yeah <laughs> unless they're willing yeah. to sponsor us in which case oh yes <laughs> oh, I, I, I completely agree I think certainly a routine I think one of the I mean for me one of the benefits of a, a routine not not that I'm particularly good at routines is that sense of uh, accomplishment you know that you've done something you've done that you've done this and this and this and you know I for me one of the things I find most uh, relaxing or that keeps me focused is is cooking I, I really enjoy it um, I have mixed results sometimes when I cook but uh, you know it's uh, that sense of taking something from from nothing basic ingredients and you you just focus on it and it goes to, goes to something that Elaine mentioned about that mindfulness just you know you're focusing on it allows you to just put everything else aside and you create something and it's it is I suppose in some ways a form of meditation I imagine there it's you know it's probably mm. no different from cooking uh, you know no different from art or sewing or music or you know anything else it is that kind of losing yourself in the moment and um, mm. just finding a bit of peace I guess so we've spoken quite a lot today about the impact of living under lockdown and its effect on people's lives and well-being and we've also talked about some of the ways in which we can try and stay positive and keep our well-being up i'd like to thank my guests elaine thompson and dr louise miller my name is chris hartley and that was the word on well-being thank you very much